Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're doing one that I had been really looking forward to all year long. It is Ryan Johnson's Knives Out, and let me tell you, it did not disappoint at all. I loved this movie. I'm just going to get that out of the way right here at the top. Uh, I am still buzzing about this since I saw it last weekend at an early screening, and I'm hoping to go see it again this weekend. So uh, if you haven't seen it, make sure you go see it, uh, because this is a whodunit kind of murder mystery kind of thing, and although it it plays with the... Uh, the genre itself. Um, it's definitely something you don't want to get into the spoilers that we will, in fact, talk about uh, before you get a chance to watch it. So make sure you watch it and then come back and listen to this. But you already know that that's how this show works. So uh, you, you know what to expect. So uh, I want to thank our uh, guest for the episode. We've got Jay Ledbetter from the In Session Film Podcast. So I was really glad to finally have him on the show. And I think we had a great conversation, so that's coming up here in a second. Uh, but I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and now also on Podchaser. And follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. So that about does it. Uh, we have a sponsor for today's episode, so I'm going to play that little clip and then we'll get into this conversation so enjoy today's episode is sponsored by the golden tiki recently named one of the top tiki bars in the united states by the food network and also one of the top 10 best nightlife destinations in las vegas by usa today They've got great rum, mixed drinks, and of course the Dole Whip. They've got theme nights, DJs, all kinds of fun stuff, including Alan Bud's Oasis, who are two robotic parrots that put on a great show every hour on the hour. So next time you're in Las Vegas, make sure to check out the Golden Tiki on Spring Mountain. All right, so with us today, we've got ourselves another new co-host coming on the show. We have got Jay Ledbetter. How's it going, Jay? I am doing wonderful, man. Thank you for having me. This is... I, I bailed on you one time when we tried to do this before for some uh, a work shenanigans that I was uh, just getting yeah, inundated with. But I'm uh, really happy to be on. I love the show. 
It happens, man. There, there's, uh, there's a lot of movies to watch, a lot of movies to talk about. It is, uh, it, it is sometimes a little difficult to get them all watched in any form of an order or anything like that, you know. And then trying to get these things up, and you know, that's exactly it's, right. It's, it's all good, man. It's all good. But I'm glad to have you on now. And For sure. um, you know, it's your first time on the show, so uh, usually when I have someone on that's new, I like to have them just introduce themselves a little bit to our audience. Yeah, I, uh, I'm Jalen Better. I'm a member of the In Session Film Podcast Network, I guess, which you've been a guest on, uh, I yes. believe, right, on the main show. Absolutely. I'm actually the host of the Extra Film segment, which is our second show that we do every week where we talk about some of the smaller movies, indie movies, classic movies. We'll do everything from, like, foreign documentaries to doing, like, retro reviews of The Shining, which we've done this year. So mm-hmm. we cover, like, a whole bunch of different stuff, try to expose people to stuff that they might not have even heard of or some stuff that uh, uh, kind of a smaller number of people would be interested in. So uh, that, that's a lot of fun, and I love being able to talk about stuff a little bit off the beaten path. Sure. Yeah, I, I think you're going to have fun here on Piecing It Together because, I mean, definitely that is something we like to do on this show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, I think it's going to be a good match. All right. Well, I will say, uh, as we start to get into this, we are, of course, talking about Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. And um, I feel like, as I'm going through and making my notes and my puzzle pieces and all that stuff, I feel like I am, like, the worst person to lead a conversation <laughs> on this movie. Um, and I will do my best. But I loved this movie, of course. Uh, and I, But as as I'm, like... Looking back, I'm thinking like, what whodunits and murder mysteries have I actually seen? And mm-hmm. it's very, very few. Uh, you know, I, I'm 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 awful at at watching movies at home. So it's like I saw it growing up, and then that's it. Because I almost exclusively watch movies at the theater for the most part. Um, what about you though? Are you a big fan of the genre? Look, I got your back because I'm uh, far from an expert in this as well. So they, we're, we're gonna be we're gonna be going in this together, wading through the wilderness a little blindly. But beautiful, um, yeah. I, I've got some stuff on here. A lot of it, I would say, like we can talk about some of the more obvious murder mystery influences. But I tried to go a little unique and, and talk about some stuff that I think is a, a little more interesting to talk about because you could talk about Agatha Christie all night if you wanted to, talking about Knives Out. But we're Absolutely. gonna. Uh, I, I have some other stuff that I want to discuss. Beautiful. Well, why don't we jump into some of it? What do you got for your first piece? Let's get Clue out of the way, right? All right. Let's talk about Clue. I'm guessing that is on your list as well. Unless you excluded it because it's too obvious. I only excluded it because I haven't seen it since maybe high school. Ah. And so I I didn't feel like I had enough to talk on it, but uh, definitely it belongs on any list in talking about this movie. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's an irreverent murder mystery based, of course, on the board game. It's a kind of an 80s cult classic that I only saw for the first time probably in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so fun and so heightened and I think really captures a lot of the same tone, especially that this movie has, which is just joke after joke after joke, which is what I love so much about Knives Out because um, sure. I do love the movie as well. It's one of my favorites of the year. Um, and just that movie is just unrelenting in its snark, uh, and humor. <laughs> and, and it's also fairly intricate in its plotting and famously, you know, clue when it was released in the eighties had alternate endings. So you didn't know which ending you were going to get sure. uh, when you went in the theater. So you might've seen a different ending than your friend saw, um, which is pretty cool. Also a really good way to get people to go see a movie three times. So very right. uh, financially wise i would say 
But, you know, I mean, Tim Curry, um, just an iconic performance in that movie. I think you have some people in this film giving the same types of performances, although I wouldn't say directly influenced by, but just how heightened they are and how Mm -hmm. big a lot of the performances are. I think you can draw a lot of similarities between uh, these two films. Sure, absolutely. And I I mean, there's that that level, uh, operating at that level of it's, it is a murder mystery and it's playing with the, uh, you know, the, the genre itself and, you know, just right, kinda, right, right, right. Very yeah, meta, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's going to kind of, um, uh, work its way into a couple of my other pieces along the way, but uh, absolutely. I, I think that clue is a great one to kick it off. And, um, moving on to my first piece, uh, this I, I wanted to before I jump into any of the specific uh, murder mystery type things. I wanted to talk a little bit about the writing, which I think is just mm-hmm. absolutely the number one thing that shines in this. Uh, is just how just like razor sharp it is, and uh, to me, it almost reminded me a little bit. And I, I've been a fan of Ryan Johnson's all the way since Brick first came out. I mean, I, I love his work, uh, but it reminded me a little bit of Tarantino doing a Who Done It. <laughs> like you he know, hasn't really good call, done yeah. one yeah he hasn't done one uh really and hateful eight kind of right yeah hateful eight kind of actually does fit the bill um and then i was thinking uh yeah i guess hatefully i can't believe i didn't even think of that but because i was thinking the scene in the uh the basement in inglorious bastards was my closest thing i was oh, going to yeah. kind of point to as as kind of in in this this kind of territory but absolutely hatefully it was i thinking but uh yeah no it it Definitely takes the genre and just fills it with just these just beautifully written characters, just mm-hmm. with with great like funny moments, great sharp moments, great uh, just just so much that you just there, there's like exposition in movies, and then there's this, you know, <laughs> there's uh, right, you know, you don't always want that, but then when every word they're saying you're hanging on, especially some of the stuff, of course, coming from Daniel Craig's character, um, it, you know, that's beautiful. That is just beautifully done when that can happen. Yeah, it is very, especially in the first half of the film, very talky. It's almost like a talking head movie like a lot of people yeah. like to criticize talking head documentaries for being too straightforward this is a talking head fictional film which is a pretty bold thing to do but you're totally right when you have the quality of writing that this movie has it just crackles and and, and it totally does so you're you're very right there and it does it's so quick like a tarantino movie just everybody talking very quickly very confidently no word out of place so that's a that's a really good call yeah and, and none of it feels uh None of it feels like it goes on too long. Like with you know, with talking, you know, it, with a movie where you're getting like big exposition dumps, like that, that can obviously drag things down. But in this, it never really feels like it. It just it moves so quickly, and I, I think I think that's part of the reason why. Um, you know, obviously at the time of recording this, this will go out the day that the movie comes out. But uh, at the time of recording this, there's just been the fan preview events, and of course any press screenings. Mm-hmm. But it seems like audiences so far, anyway, are really really connecting with. With how much fun the movie is right i mean that that's the whole thing right it's we're in this time of year where it's all about these really elevated films that are saying important things and then here comes knives out just like hey do you want to have like a really freaking great time at the movies and then also <laughs> some like spatters of political commentary and exactly. that i say emphatically absolutely so hell yeah uh, yeah yeah this is a great movie everybody go see it uh it, it's so so good <laughs> I wish I was seeing it again tonight, but uh, what do you got for your uh, next puzzle piece? 
My second one is uh, Akira Kurosawa's Rashomon, which is a movie that you cannot not talk about when you're talking about a film that shows different perspectives of a crime. So mm-hmm. Rashomon is sort of the genesis of a film that shows different perspectives of a story and like the unreliable narrator. It's one of the first and best examples of really digging into what exactly we mean by an unreliable narrator and Mm -hmm. the nature of storytelling itself. It's a really incredible movie that I urge everybody to go out and see. I'll, I'll look for any excuse to recommend a Kurosawa movie, Mm -hmm. but um, obviously not as comedic as something like knives out. But uh, I I think even if you ask Ryan Johnson, he might not have been doing it uh, actively, but I think it's impossible to make a movie like knives out and not, have been influenced in some part by Rashomon. Sure. Uh, You know, I actually have never seen it, although, of course, I know its influence on so many movies that have come since that. And uh, I I wonder, um, because it is such an intricate puzzle, this movie, and it's Mm -hmm. so well put together. And I read that uh, this was actually going to be his second movie after Brick, and then he had to put it on the back burner for all all these years. I, Mm -hmm. I wonder how much work must have gone into, I mean, really, just putting every little piece at play because i mean it's it's a beautiful balancing act it is you want to talk about piecing it together this movie will take a few watches to piece all of it together because it's it's really intricate and uh it really does play with that like who can you believe thing Mm -hmm. in very much in the same way that that rashomon does extremely directly this film does a little less directly but it's definitely still there yeah absolutely uh, well, I'll go with another one here, and I'm going to go with Jordan Peele's Get Out, um, <laughs> of course, nice, with, yeah. uh, with, with this movie and with Get Out, uh, you have a protagonist uh, who is a minority, and these rich white people, they're, they're all just acting so nice, but you just know that under the surface that there's something, there's something to their little, you know, like condescension and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. you just know that it's going to be more than just... Uh, you know, just just a little something. It's gonna it's gonna blow up. Just and become, all fake niceness. Yeah, all just all yeah. Just the awfulness is just under the surface, and and it is coming out. And of course, that's you know where the the knives out title comes from. That the once the shit hits the fan, all all the knives do come out with every character just on each other and on our uh, our main character uh, Marta. But um, but yeah, I I, I love I love just how well this movie mixes in its uh, political themes. Uh, you know, there there is a very fine line that he is writing here where it could become that, you know, when like a stand-up comedian just does like the clapter thing where, where they're just going yeah, for the yeah, easy yeah, yeah, jokes yeah. and all that. Woo! I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Man. This could have been truth. that. Oh, it yeah. almost got there, I'll be honest, but it never yeah. it never really did. So I, It I rides that, that line. It's much less explicitly political than yeah. Get Out, I think. But to its credit, it needs to be. Whereas Get Out, I think, ended up being a really important movie. I don't know that Knives Out is necessarily an important cultural moment. Exactly. Um, but, it, but it kind of isn't aiming for that. It has this undercurrent of something, of a sociopolitical message, but it never... Uh, permeates how much fun you're having. Uh, question: Would you say that uh, Anna de Armas's character is the lead of the movie? 
I do think so, but I think because of the uh, the structure of this kind of movie that you really can't know who the lead is until it's all said and done. Yeah, so, that's true. This was a debate know, you, we were having in my critics group was, uh, should we run her as lead? Should should she be considered in the lead category? And I, I, mm-hmm. I think I say yes. I think she might end up having the most scream time, and I don't think mm-hmm. that's a spoiler, but... Um, yeah. She's uh she's terrific in the movie. First of all, she's like a star in the making between this and Blade Runner, oh, and she's going to oh, be yeah. in the next Bond movie, I think. So yeah, look out for her. She's incredible. Um, oh but, yeah, absolutely. Um, totally plays into that like kind of immigrant outsider element that you're talking about. Totally, totally, and and uh, yeah, and I and just to to go back to your point there, I mean, I'm I'm guessing Daniel Craig would be the other option. Right, yeah, I think he's being run, like, for the SAG Awards and Golden Globes or whatever, I think he's running as a lead, hmm. okay. which I thought was interesting. He definitely leaves an impression, but I, I don't think I would call him the guy who's propelling the action in the movie. He's kind of a right. bystander. I, I don't know, but he is the biggest star, and that's why you run him lead, probably. I don't sure, know. I, I guess that does make sense, but, uh, but yeah, interesting. Uh, well, what do you got for your next one? Okay, my next one... Uh, is going to be Looney Tunes because Daniel Craig is explicitly <laughs> doing a foghorn horn impression. That is <laughs> what is good. happening in this movie. I say, I say, I say. It's also just an excuse to talk about how good he is in this movie because he is sure. incredible. I mean, he, Daniel Craig hamming it up is is one of my favorite things between this and Logan Lucky a couple years mm-hmm. ago, I think, uh, where yeah. he does kind of a similar character, uh, a Southern... Uh, con artist in that one where in this one he's a very distinguished detective Benoit Blanc who <laughs> who they are saying might get to be in more movies I don't know we'll see they, we might I have pray. a Benoit Blanc franchise going on we'll see how it does at the <laughs> box office but he uh he is certainly inspired by the the gentleman over at Looney Tunes with his impression uh, as a southern detective Oh yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, he is just so great and any chance to talk about that performance. I I wonder seriously if like all these years he's just been waiting to let loose like this. Like it's just something he's been wanting to do all these years. It it very well could be. I mean, you you have to play Bond really really buttoned up and he's just like, "Okay, I want to do the complete opposite of that, please. Can we do that?" And then Ryan Johnson says, "Uh, yeah, for sure. We can definitely let you do that." Oh my god! Yeah, it's so funny. I, I also wonder if Ryan Johnson had anybody else in mind for that. He doesn't seem like the natural first choice for a role like that. But exactly, he yeah. nailed it. I mean, maybe that's part of what makes it work is because he still does have this dramatic gravitas, even as he is doing this foghorn leghorn voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because early in the film, he's sort of just sitting in a corner very ominously, and you're like, "Well, this dude's scary." And then he opens his mouth, and you're like, "Oh, this dude's." awesome (laughs) every word every word is just great (laughs) absolutely uh well all right i'll go with another one here uh i am going to bring up the tv series arrested development 
Okay, um, cool. I, I One see of my favorite a, a, shows of all time. Oh, hell yeah. And I see a total comparison as far as the Bluth family. Oh, the family? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and just this just awful family. <laughs> they all just kind of hate each other, but they, they, they work together and they hate each other again. And then they, they, they have this history of just, you know, that so much bad has happened over the years between them all. But, uh, and they're just so fascinating to watch and just every, every one of them just so funny. Okay, so let's go through here. Obviously, we have who's which one is Job? Michael Shannon is. I, is I don't know if that's a uh, uh, the best. Oh yeah, maybe though. Maybe that would be the uh, the parallel there. Is there? Um, is there? Well, maybe he's Michael though. I don't know. I don't think there is someone as sensible enough to be Michael. Is there? See, and that that's I think. Yeah, actually, I think Michael Shannon would probably be the closest thing. Yeah, that's, he, that's you probably know he right. shows up at the one moment and he's like at least trying to connect with her and like you know so maybe like you know a little bit I don't know but not really. <laughs> but you really do. I mean, you have like I would say Jamie Lee Curtis is definitely like the Lindsay Bluth of the movie. Sure, there, there are totally like one to one comparisons with a lot of those characters. I love that. That's a that show is unbelievable. Um, so good, especially the first like three seasons, and then we don't really have to discuss what happened on Netflix. But no, um, no. it's uh, it's an incredible <laughs> show, and I love that comparison. And, and man, you're right. I mean, just. I mean, you don't have to go any further than just say that they're really freaking funny shows about dysfunctional families and they totally tie together. Absolutely. Just uh, rich white people. Rich white people, man. What <laughs> are you going to do? Crazy rich white people. Yeah. What are you going to do? There you go. <laughs> yeah. Crazy rich white people, a lot different movie than crazy rich Asians. It's true. It is. It's uh, it's a it, horror movie, mystery, murder mystery. That's, yeah. that's about accurate. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, what do you got for your next one? My next one, uh, I'm going to dig into the inner workings of Ryan Johnson's brain and bring up that mm. I think the reaction to Star Wars The Last Jedi had a huge influence on the making of this movie, specifically with the character Jacob Trombley, who is this young teenage kid who is always online, as Daniel Craig calls him, the Nazi masturbating in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Which was probably my biggest laugh in the movie. Um, oh, that was great. But he is, uh, he's this kid who's just like sitting on his phone in the corner the whole time, like spreading hateful vitriol on Twitter or whatever other social networking site. And that has to be very near and dear to Ryan Johnson's heart, considering all the stuff that he went through when he released Last Jedi and stupid man babies cried about them about him kind of ruining his childhood by making a a subversive interesting movie so i mm -hmm. i think that is definitely an undercurrent in the movie and a very interesting undercurrent in the movie absolutely and i love that he uh he meaning ryan johnson like is always taking the high road when it comes to dealing with this stuff yeah, yeah. but then here he comes sneaking in little little digs at, at these idiots you know in the movie and yeah, i love yeah. that so much yeah, it's. I mean, he's he's a he's a smart guy, and also he seems to be fairly in control of his emotions and an understanding guy, and a, and a guy who knows his role in the world of pop culture, uh, and, and is willing to acknowledge that these people are idiots, which is probably a, it makes him a much bigger person than I would, because I would have a very difficult time. <laughs> I would not be on Twitter if I was Ryan Johnson. I will say that. Oh, much. I don't know how. Can how you imagine? 
No, no, oh no. My God. No. no, no. I would go. I would go. Knives out. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, one more thing to that point, though. Um, I, I think it's really interesting uh, that we're because we don't really have that many examples of this. That that since social media has you know been the thing that it is, and since we're getting just all this toxicity out there, um, and for a filmmaker to be able to kind of. Uh, squeeze in a little, you know, retaliation to all mm-hmm. that, all those toxic people out there. Uh, I think that's interesting, and I feel like in a, a little bit of a way, they were kind of doing that with Terminator Dark Fate as well, with, uh, you know, just making it a very female-driven story and everything, uh-huh. just being like, you know, oh, you assholes don't like women front to movies? Well, here you go. Here's your new Terminator, you yep, know? Yep. <laughs> and, but that uh, feels like I a, that great. feels like a behind-the-scenes kind of middle finger, whereas this sure. one is like actually written into the movie as like, hey, you probably like this movie and you probably hated my last movie. Screw you. Go yeah. <laughs> tweet in the bathroom, you idiots. Go tweet and masturbate. <laughs> All right. I'll go with another piece here. Um, so I, I know that Ryan Johnson said that he didn't want this movie to be a parody of uh, whodunits or mm-hmm. murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think a lot in the same way as uh, Mel Brooks did with Blazing Saddles, I think that this movie is such a great example of it kind of is a parody, but it, then it also is a, a great example of the genre mm-hmm. on, on, its, on its own terms as well. It's like well. a commentary on the genre. Yeah, wh- yeah, while being a, a, a perfectly good yes, that's exactly entry yeah. in the genre. And so that that's why I find Blazing Saddles to be such a great uh, uh, comparison. And then also with, you know, like we were just talking about with the political commentary that's kind of like sewn in throughout it. Um, you know, Mel Brooks obviously was, you know, such a trailblazer with that. Um, and now... You know, this is like so fresh. I mean, some of the stuff that these characters are saying and doing or, you know, sometimes you think of a movie as a thing that, you know, it's years and years in the making and everything, but everything just felt so like, oh, the last year, mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Some of the things that they're commenting on, which I think is pretty damn cool. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And Blazing Saddles is a, is a very good comparison there. Um, although that's probably more, more of a direct parody, certainly, but also that movie, sure. if you go back and watch it, like shockingly political uh, that movie oh, yeah. has has a lot of stuff to say and you know you you could definitely argue that some of it hasn't aged perfectly but that was kind <laughs> of the point of the movie was showing people how stupid they were by portraying their stupid behavior on screen and and the same thing can kind of be said here but you you are right like it is a fantastic mystery and it also kind of like elbows the idea of these murder mystery movies in the ribs a little bit just to be like here are all the trappings of these movies. Like you've seen it a million times before. It's nothing very creative. And then also we're going to flip it on its head and I'm going to give you something different and unique. And we're going to be jokey and we're going to have a gag every 15 seconds of this movie. This thing, yep. there is like per second, like as many jokes in this movie, be they physical, visual, or uh, verbal. Um, this, this is just an onslaught of comedy. And I, I loved it for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. I I had, I had mentioned on Twitter that it I think it is the best reaction I've seen to a movie all year in the theater. I mean, everybody was just dying the whole time. It was it was a really great experience. I I do want to try to see it again in the theater hopefully another 
packed crowd if all goes well. This would be a great one to go see with like a Thanksgiving family, I think, right? I mean, I think Hell everybody yeah. would like this. Hell it's yeah. one of those movies you can just kind of universally recommend. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's PG-13 too, right? Um, I want to say yes. I think so. I think uh, it is, so it won't hurt anybody's feelings too much. There you go. <laughs> Unless you're uh, one of those Nazis. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you got for your next piece? My next one, I'm going to talk about Primer, which is the time travel movie from, I don't know, I want to say 15 years ago or something like that. Uh, right. It's the Shane Carruth movie, famous for being a movie that no one understands. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie that Ryan Johnson has a lot of admiration for because he worked with the director, Shane Carruth, on Looper. He kind of said, Shane Carruth, how can you make me make this time travel make sense? And actually, the time travel making sense is actually the part that I have the biggest problem with in Looper is that I don't think it makes any sense at all. So I don't think they achieved on that front. But I do think it speaks to Ryan Johnson's desire to construct very intricate plots. And this mm-hmm. movie is very intricate. It is you. There are a lot of puzzle pieces to place together, a lot of timelines intersecting and interweaving and stories that you cannot decide if they're entirely true one way or the other. And then in the end, end up being something in the middle, kind of that Rashomon effect. But it's mm. all very thought out. Like you just imagine Ryan Johnson in front of this giant whiteboard with all sorts of like looking like a conspiracy theorist with bubbles and arrows and, and all <laughs> these things, like trying to explain exactly what the plot of this movie is. Sure. And it does absolutely keep you guessing. Like, I pity anybody who finds out any of the plot elements of this film because it keeps shifting. Your idea of what's going on constantly changes back and forth. And that is clearly something that Ryan Johnson takes a lot of pride in and finds very interesting about movie making is keeping people on the edge of their seats from a strictly plot perspective. Like, obviously, we've talked about the great dialogue, the great gags, uh, the great character work, the great performances. But... At the core of this movie, I think, is exactly what you said, a really solid, well-thought-out murder mystery. So I think he really cares mm-hmm. about that part of the movie. Well, you know, I I want to take that and just kind of jump on that for my final puzzle piece because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good transition into it. Um, and that is, I just wanted to basically combine uh, Agatha Christie stories. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. And not doing Agatha Christie stories is my other, uh-huh. it's like an anti-piece. And I, I think if you're going to do this genre, you know, if it was going to be the exact same thing and not like really clever and really well thought out and not something you hadn't seen before, I think it would have, you know, maybe even failed extra hard. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I think you go for someone like Ryan Johnson, he had to go into this with the mindset, like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, be paying tribute to those kinds of stories, but this has to be new and it has to be fresh and exciting and really keep you guessing. And I, I've, you know, I've got to make this a puzzle that really makes you want to you know put everything together and figure everything out and and stay on your toes the whole time because uh otherwise it's just the same old same old and i think that that was a probably a big drive to try to do everything you possibly could to not get stuck in like the exact mold Mm -hmm. while still still paying tribute to that mold 
Well, this is kind of a tired genre. This genre was kind right. of tired in the 1970s, which is why yeah. you have, you know, a movie like Clue come out and kind of flip everything on its head. But they don't make very many murder mystery movies of this ilk anymore. Kind of these like bottled up, strictly about trying to connect the dots murder mystery stories. I, like I caught Murder on the Orient Express on a plane once. Uh, that's congratulations. How'd that go? Yeah. Eh, it 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 passed the time, I guess. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like a great plane movie is exactly yeah. what it seems like. And uh, Daniel Craig's Detective Blanc is very much a play on uh, Detective Poirot from sure. the Agatha Christie series of, of novels and films there. So it's impossible to talk about this without talking about Agatha Christie, kind of the godmother of murder mysteries in in america you know really totally. i mean she's she's the uh she's the she's the queen of uh of these types of stories so you you can't not talk about her absolutely absolutely well uh so that's my last piece do you have any more pieces i got a few here that i'll kind of just run through i think sure. this movie has a lot of edgar wright influence uh mm -hmm. just as far as the constant gags that I was talking about. And if you go and watch like Edgar Wright's Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead, it is just joke after joke after joke after joke while also maintaining the themes of the movie. Like I think what Edgar Wright is able to do is so impressive to put that many jokes in his movies while still maintaining a thematic through line and a plot that completely tracks. Like when you go and see a Will Ferrell movie, which has... 15,000 jokes in it. Uh, the script of that is probably three pages long because they're just like, yeah. hey, Will, go do your thing. And even in, I think, some movies that are more thought out than those, like um, uh, Judd Apatow movies, I think, have that problem sometimes too, where it's just like, okay, so this movie is now two and a half hours long just because you let them riff forever about things yeah. not related to the story that you're actually trying to tell. And I like Judd Apatow, but that that is certainly a problem in some of his movies. But with this one, we talk about the writing. I mean, that's that's really where this movie shines is there's no line of dialogue out of place. It all plays into the entirety of what the movie is trying to say. And so mm -hmm. there are no distractions or like asides that do not contribute to the overall structure and themes and story of the film. And I think Edgar Wright is one of the masters of that in the modern day. And I think Absolutely. it's, uh, I think Ryan Johnson plays into many of those same strengths. Funny enough, uh, I almost used Hot Fuzz in the place of Blazing Saddles as yeah, an example yeah, 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 of totally. something. Yeah, it, it is the genre, and it's making fun of the uh, you know all the cliches. Hot Fuzz, of the genre. great cop movie. Also, yeah. making fun of every cop movie, mm -hmm. buddy buddy cop <laughs> movie. Yeah, so good, so good. Absolutely. Uh, one other one that I had, my last one here is Doctor Strange Love, uh, the Stanley Kubrick film. That one is so overtly political that it only tangentially applies as a as a puzzle piece to Knives Out. But the absurdist political commentary is really what I was thinking of when I was considering this as one of my puzzle pieces. You have, mm -hmm. I mean, Peter Sellers in that movie, you could definitely compare to Daniel Craig's performance in this movie. Sure. Just like off the charts character craziness. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that one is obviously one of the greatest satires in the history of uh, not just cinema, but art. And it's a perfect film. Love it. Very, very good. <laughs> and this one is not um, is not aiming for the same 
type of satire as that one. But I think when it does go for that political angle, it does it in ways very similar to uh, to the ones in Doctor Strangelove. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, it, it rides that line so well that, I Mm -hmm. mean, it deserves a lot of props for that, for, for not going overboard, but you know, but still being pretty biting at the same time. For sure. It is one of those where like when those scenes start, you're like, Oh no, is this, (laughs) Oh boy. But then it does, it it cuts, it cuts itself right off where it should, which is like, thank God. Well, uh, I will go ahead and do the finished puzzle, and then we'll get into any closing thoughts we had about Knives Out. Uh, The things we talked about were Clue, of course, uh, Tarantino, including The Hateful Eight and Inglorious Bastards, Rashomon, Get Out, Looney Tunes, Arrested Development, The Reactions to The Last Jedi, Blazing Saddles, Primer, Agatha Christie stories, as well as not Agatha Christie <laughs> stories, uh, and Murder on the Orient Express, of course, uh, Hot Fuzz and Edgar Wright in general, and Doctor Strange Love. So uh, that's a good that, that's a good group of films to compare yourself to. I think so. Absolutely. I mean, television shows. Yeah. And and I'm glad, like I said at the beginning, we didn't have to go too deep into listing off every murder mystery along the way. Right, right, right. (laughs) I I mean, those are the the background nor the desire to uh, to do a podcast about all the murder mysteries that inspired Knives Out. So and I and I think Ryan Johnson's already done like a dozen interviews where he lists them. Right. right, right, right. So well, that's got to be the laziest question he gets at every one. Right. Was what (laughs) what are your favorite murder mystery stories? Oh, here we go. Again. Here we go. <laughs> well, do you have any other uh, closing thoughts, though, about it? Uh, I just want to say about Knives Out, everybody go see the movie. It is such a, like, there is, it is one of those no hair out of place movies that is so brushed through with a finely toothed comb um, mm-hmm. that you just have to admire everything going on. It's a gorgeous movie. Like, this is so clearly Ryan Johnson using his Star Wars clout to make a movie with a ton of incredible actors who you would not be able to get together unless you had done something like a Star Wars. So, um, you know, all credit to him for for cashing that Star Wars check. Um, <laughs> that is a good point. I mean, because I, I remember, of course, when this was first announced and we were all like, look at this fucking cast. Yeah, like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's Daniel crazy. Craig. Anna Darmus, Chris Evans, Lakeith Stanfield, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Don Christopher Johnson Plummer. killing it in this movie, yes. by the way. <laughs> Don Johnson. I love the Don Johnson assance. We have Tarantino to thank for that one. So, sure, uh, we so, totally so thank do. You, Tarantino. Oh, and yeah. Edie Patterson, uh, fresh off uh, Righteous Gemstones. Um, she's oh, amazing. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a cast. <laughs> what an incredible cast. But yeah, it's a, it's a terrific, terrific movie that I really would recommend to just about anyone. If you're listening to this podcast, I can almost guarantee that you will enjoy it. I -hmm. haven't really seen anyone who hasn't at least liked it. And a lot of people have totally, totally loved it. It totally played in my theater as well. Everybody was laughing. You know, a movie is really good when people are talking as they leave the theater. I think when they're just like, right, right. Oh, that was so good. Like, whoa, whoa, that was incredible. And they're not even saying anything more substantial than that. But it's just like, there's a buzz to the theater when you leave. And it's just the buzz of people having a great time at the movies. So everybody go check out Knives Out and then go check out all the things that influenced it that we talked about today. Well, uh, speaking of movies that we loved, do you have any other uh, recommendation of a movie you watched recently? 
Oh, boy. Uh, so it is screener season for me. The screeners are coming coming real hard here recently. And mm-hmm. uh, one that I have watched, or actually, I didn't even watch it on the screener, but they sent me this gigantic leather-bound book that, like, I, I, I'm not, I haven't been getting these types of things for very long, but I understand why people are... Um, uh, moved to vote for a movie because of the just ridiculous stuff that they get sent. This book is gorgeous. It's for the Irishman and the Irishman is unbelievable and everybody Mm -hmm. needs to go and see it. Um, That one was really, really great. And last night I also saw a beautiful day in the neighborhood, which is a movie that I was like, this might be kind of cute, but I think is a lot better than I expected it to be because they use this really unique framing device for the film where they structure it as an actual episode of Mr. Rogers neighborhood Mm. because it's not really a Mr. Rogers movie. It's a movie about a guy who is influenced by Mr. Rogers. And Mm -hmm. that's the strength of the movie is these biopics are so tired and they're so cookie cutter at this point to have a movie like this kind of play with the form and play with the construction that we are so familiar with. I, I thought it was very, very strong. So um, go see A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Go see The Irishman, especially. I think that's going to be coming out on Netflix this week, I believe. Yeah. But go yeah. go see it in the theater if you can. If you have a small bladder, uh, don't drink anything for the day before because that is a three and a half hour movie. But By some small miracle, I made it through the whole movie without peeing. I don't as know did I. As did I. Um, did you like it? I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. it's great. Yeah, it's yeah. great. So, so those are two that I would recommend. Beautiful. Well, hey, this has been great, man. Um, yeah, where man. can people find you and your uh, your stuff? Yeah, so you can find me personally at Mr. J. Ledbetter on Twitter. I am a member of the In Session Film Podcast, where we have the main show, which I am not on, comes out every Monday. You have been on that show. It's a really terrific podcast. They do an incredible job there. And then our extra film show, which is the one that I am on, comes out every Friday. So Mondays and Fridays, In Session Film Podcast. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks, man. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll get you on again sometime. Yeah, man, for sure. I, I will try not to stand you up anymore, but I'm really glad I got on <laughs> and uh, and it was a great conversation. And I love, like, it's really fun hearing what you thought the influenced the movie. And, and then as soon as you say it, it clicks right in like, oh, duh. So this is, uh, <laughs> it's really fun, man. I, I love the format of your show. I love the show in general. And uh I will continue to listen and I will continue to uh, await a, a direct message to come back on, man. This was really fun. Hello, everybody. My name is Deverne, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast, part of That Moment In. We are slightly different than your average movie podcast in that we don't review a whole feature. Instead, myself and a guest will break down our favorite scenes in movies and then discuss why they are so iconic. So check us out. We are available on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Cinema Recall Podcast, and we are available on Twitter at Cinema underscore Recall. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Knives Out with our guest Jay Ledbetter. Thank you, Jay, for uh, joining us for this one. 
What a fun movie. I seriously, I said it at the top and I'm saying it again now. I'm hoping to go see it again this weekend. It was just so much fun. Um, and by the way, this is Thanksgiving week, Thanksgiving weekend uh, coming up here. And uh, I want to thank you guys all so much for, for listening to this show. I mean, I, you know, week after week, I, I see people downloading it and I, I get great reaction and, and, you know, so much great feedback. And I just... I honestly didn't really expect it when I started the show, and uh, I, I'm just so glad that there are people out there listening, and I want to keep making them for you, so we have a lot planned for the future of this show. Um, I will say, though, that as we're getting into the end of the year, I was planning like a lot of special bonus episodes and stuff that go into like lists and stuff like that. I think I'm going to scale that back a little bit. I'm just going to focus on good main episodes, talking about all these new movies that are coming out. Uh, we have a bunch in the can already, and uh, we're recording. Uh, we have so many scheduled to record on some of these new releases. So lots of episodes coming your way. Not quite as many special ones, but there's going to be some. We're definitely going to do some end of the year stuff, end of the decade stuff. We got we got plenty coming your way. So you know, make sure you're subscribed at uh, you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, wherever it is you listen to podcasts, and uh, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts on uh, Podchaser. And you can join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And you can, of course, follow us on social media at PiecingPod. So I think it's time to close this one out with a piece of my music, as we always do. And I think uh, I don't really have a, a whodunit style track. I probably do at some point, but I can't really think of one off the top of my head. So instead, I'm just going to go with a uh, just something random, something cool. Uh, this is a track called The Master off of one of my free albums, the album Another Sky, which is available on my band camp. So enjoy the master, and we will be back with more Piecing It Together next week.
and All Points West. <laughs>